Hello, Lil Killers. Welcome to Spilling Eve. My name is Christy Lapointe. Let's get into it. Season three, episode two. We're back. It's happening. I'm really excited for this episode. We are going to try to have a virtual guest. I say try because we haven't actually recorded that part yet, and I'm not sure if it's going to work. Uh, so fingers crossed that it will, or I will have to re-record this, and I really don't want to do that. You all know how lazy I am. We are talking today about Season 3, Episode 2 of Killing Eve, Management Sucks, which was written by Anna Jordan and directed by Terry McDonough. So let's jump straight into the episode re episode recap. Oh boy, I can talk and everything's fine. Anyway, we open on a sad eve in the rain. She's a mess. Maybe she's drunk. She's on her way to Kenny's wake, I want to say it was. Some sort of funerally event. Uh, she gets there. She sees Constantine. They have a little bit of a argumentative back and forth. And he gives Eve a drink from the bar. And Eve basically shouts belligerently at him that she knows it's not a suicide. And then Constantine meets Carolyn's daughter, who we find out later is named Geraldine which feels like a bit of an unfortunate name. Uh, anyway, though, she is played by the actress Gemma Whalen, a.k.a. Yara Greyjoy from Game of Thrones. I recognized her immediately. And Constantine and Geraldine have this little talk. Basically, she remembers him from her childhood, and they shared this, you know, very memorable moment to her that he at least seems not to recollect. Meanwhile, Carolyn tries to talk to Eve, and Eve is sort of storming out and trying to get out of out of the bar and is really upset and she asks Carolyn point blank if she thinks that uh, Kenny jumped and Carolyn says yes which only enrages Eve more and she storms out then we cut over to Barcelona Villanelle and her mentor Dasha are in this gorgeous mansion uh, that uh, theoretically is everything Villanelle had asked for they talk about really funny little things like water pressure etc and then they have this lovely cafe lunch and Dasha talks about how they are different from normal people and gives her the information that Villanelle is still going to have to prove herself to the 12 there's a new recruit and she she is going to basically have her first dry run managing someone. Carolyn shows up to work like the day after Kenny's funeral wake situation, much to the surprise of her new boss overseer guy. And they talk over each other in this meeting a bunch. It's a funny little beat. They clash and then he takes her aside. They take five and he basically tells her she has to start taking care of herself. Constantine then has this really brief meeting with someone in a car, a driver, who seems like sort of his handler, although he says that it's a different person every time. So it's interesting. His orders are that he is to stay put where he is, even though he's desperate to get out. Then we're back at Eve uh, at her work at the restaurant. She's taking a break. Carolyn shows up and admits that she knows Kenny didn't jump, but she has to be a little more discreet and pretend she's not looking into it. And Carolyn shows Eve a photo of Villanelle's last kill that we saw last episode. And Eve just totally rejects her and says that she can't and won't help. And this part of her life is over. And she storms off, basically saying like she'd do anything for Kenny to be alive, but he's not. And then she goes back to this little weird back alley room of the restaurant and projectile vomits. It's a really a visceral moment. Just 
just a, a real puke scene. And then we cut back to Dasha and Villanelle, uh, who are talking about the new mentee. His name is Felix. Villanelle is a little bit uh, jokey, but also seems genuinely inquisitive about what she's supposed to do with him. Is she supposed to grade him or what? And they talk about, you know, what what it's going to look like. Then we see Eve continuing to try to hack into Kenny's phone that she's had since that that initial day she went to meet him and grabbed it. And his bitter pill boss calls, who Eve has already had this sort of like tension with him at the bus stop and at the wake. And he basically says he knows she has the phone and demands she returns it. And she does. She does go and hand it over and they admit that they were bluffing. They didn't know it was her, which was funny because I thought like, yeah, of course they were bluffing. It seems so obvious, but maybe in her grief, she she wasn't really thinking as rationally as Eve usually does. Villanelle meets her sweet baby boy, Felix. He says he's 19. He looks so sweet and so young and almost right away says the words, I'm tough, which I thought was very funny. And they have a back and forth. He talks about how he murdered this whole family of a bully because of a boy he loved. And Villanelle has such a great line here where she's like, just so you know, I'm kind of a big deal in this industry. They bond over sort of the perils of unrequited love. And it's a really sweet scene. And for a moment, I was like, oh, this could be a fun little partnership. Then we are back with Constantine, and he sees old Carolyn Jr., Geraldine, on the street outside of a souvenir shop, and he has a little, you know, British double-decker bus magnet that he says he bought for his daughter, and they have a nice moment together, and then he gives Geraldine the magnet and is like, you keep this, and she's overcome and starts crying, and it's a real moment. Then we're back to Villanelle and Felix, and here's the scene that we've been seeing in ads and promos constantly, where they pose as party clowns for the hit to go down, and she is trying to gently guide him, and he gets messy with the kill and goes off book, and Villanelle comes and finds him and ends up shooting him. And uh, she says the titular line, management sucks, hearkening back to a line Dasha said when they were talking about how hard it is. Dasha had said, management is not easy. It's watching someone do the job worse than you. That's why it sucks, which such a good line. Uh, And then we learn that Audrey, who is Kenny's co-worker hookup, uh, and Carolyn are are going for a walk together. We had seen Audrey earlier at the wake crying in the bathroom, and Carolyn kind of clocked that. Carolyn then is in her car listening to some weird, sad music. I don't know. Does anyone know what music that is? Uh, and her assistant comes up and asks if she's coming into work, and she says there's no point. She's not really even allowed to do her job. And then we cut to Eve visiting Carolyn at her home and telling her about this missing thumb drive of Kenny's that was on his body and the police must have in custody and that they have to get that to, you know, get more information about his murder and what he knew about the 12, yada, yada. And we see in a very cool TV filmmaking device that the magnet has a listening device in it. So we're assuming that... Constantine is listening to this whole exchange. And then the episode ends with Constantine visiting Villanelle and telling her that Eve is alive and it blows her mind. 
And they have this lovely exchange where Constantine says, you know, I care about you. And Villanelle says, I know you're full of shit. And Constantine replies, can't it be both? And I felt like that just summed up their relationship in the most succinct and heartbreaking and truthful way. And that's it. That's the whole episode. I thought it was very enjoyable. I thought a lot happened. There weren't a lot of murders or kills in this one, but it was very interesting. I also, I was kind of sad that Felix was brought in and dangled for us just to be taken away. But overall, I thought it was great. So let's now talk to a guest about it. What? So our guest on the podcast today is Amelia. (laughs) Nope, can't even say your first name. Right. Uh, no, you're I w- doing amazing. I was so afraid about the last name that it just like instantly went Amelia. <laughs> that's just a normal name. Amelia Rose Rittaller, who is a young comedian from Texas who moved to Toronto in 2016 to pursue a degree in media production. And while she was here, she studied at Second City. Uh, improv and sketch when she wasn't in class she could be seen performing throughout the city with her various troops such as the pepperoni pizza cats and riot in 2020 she made the move to los angeles to work in unscripted television development and to be closer to the ocean she is also addicted to twitter and i will have her plug her twitter at the end of the episode please welcome (laughs) amelia Hi, thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for being like our first guinea pig guest of someone not sitting in my apartment. We love technology, the ability to connect across across nations. Oh, it's it's a a true miracle. Uh, How are you doing? I'm good. I truthfully woke up 48 minutes ago. Um, so you're you're in L.A. right now. So you had to be up much earlier than me. Yes. I mean, to be fair, it is 11 a.m., which is near lunchtime, <laughs> arguably. But like for me personally, my days have just last night I went to bed at four randomly. The night before I went to bed at 11 p.m. So it's really just like. What is a schedule? Yeah, there are no rules anymore. I no. I had a friend uh, tell me a very funny anecdote about an edible she took that didn't kick in and didn't kick in. And she did the cardinal sin of edibles, which was having like taking more instead of just waiting. And she went to bed and then around 3.30 in the morning, shot awake, stoned out of her mind <laughs> and just what, like stumbled over to her couch, grabbed snacks and watched the Mindy Project for like three hours in the middle of the oh. night my god which in the real world like that might not be so great but guess what it's fine she didn't have anywhere to go the next day she just no, slept we celebrate that yeah, yeah. It, we are recording on 420 so i feel like that's an appropriate story yeah we gotta we gotta i gotta blaze it after this <laughs> yeah that's oh true. no oh, <laughs> everyone's gosh. like what is this podcast um so amelia tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about how you came to killing eve yeah, so I was actually a late adopter to Killing Eve. I'm I'm a huge fan of TV, always have been. Um, but I specifically like don't watch scary stuff. Like I, my little heart just can't take like <laughs> a murder. Like P- Pretty Little Liars was so popular when I was in high school, and I like wanted to fit in so bad. But it would give me so much like anxiety to watch, so I would just like have to like read it. Oh my gosh! So it would be less scary. I love everything um. about that. That is so charming. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just like okay, reality TV, comedy, like you know, procedurals where no one dies. Like even Grey's Anatomy, I'm like this is a little sad sometimes. Um, 
But then I like heard of this and I like love Sandra Oh and Phoebe Waller Waller Bridge was like all the big news with Fleabag and I really like Fleabag. And then she was like showrunner or what is she executive producer? I think in the, the first season she was the head writer and showrunner. I think incredible. Yeah, she was brought on. It wasn't her project. Like the production oh. company brought her on, which is very cool. An annoying fact I always correct people on when they're like, "No, it was her I idea." Cele- <laughs> I celebrate nerdy facts. Um, the BBC always seems cool. Like the fact that it's British, I'm like, okay, like anything anything anytime anything's british i'm like okay i'm interested oh yeah there's already automatic like cool points for us dumb north americans 100 percent. but i'm pretty sure i watched the show because i saw spilling eve um promo on twitter ha 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 that's hilarious and it was i watched the first two seasons back in december like during exam season for university i was like what can i do to put off studying um, watched two seasons of a show in two days. So then I watched all those, got all caught up, and now I'm so ready for season three. But, okay, what you were saying about how they switch the showrunner every year, like, you can really tell. Yeah, it's funny. I was just talking to my husband about this last night. We were, I was talking about getting ready to record the podcast. And it's it's one of those things where I feel like from a creative experiment perspective it's very cool and from a giving young women opportunities perspective like amazing incredible but as far as like keeping the show a cohesive project like it's I I I don't think it's the best choice and I again I understand there's no way Phoebe Waller-Bridge would have stayed on for a second season she had too many bigger and better offers so I know it was initially done out of necessity but I think the choice to make the third season a new third showrunner it's like very interesting and we are seeing that like throughout I think this third season it was so obvious last night I actually got like a little upset I'm not gonna lie yeah it's it's really strange and it's it's hard too because I feel like the poor showrunners coming in to take over this show like it's not even just that it's you know a huge undertaking to showrun or to showrun someone else's baby but like the fan base of this show is so rabid and so intense and we all have like our own preconceptions of what we want it to be so Mm. I cannot imagine as a writer going into that situation and being like well I'm just going to put my own little spin on things and hope I don't get hate mail. Yeah, it's so brave to be like, yay, I got this awesome opportunity that has the highest stakes that could be possible. Yes, totally. Oh my gosh. It makes me think so often. Like, I'm kind of glad that when I was really young, a lot of my creative endeavors didn't get very big or like didn't, weren't (laughs) that successful because it really gave me the opportunity to just like fuck up again and again and learn from those mistakes. No, I mean, I would be terrified. And I think it's also hard because it's like, I feel like the people who watch Killing Eve are like passionate about television, television, like as a like study, like they're not just like, wow, this show is so good. They're like, wow, I have thoughts about the industry as well. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, we're all still watching it. So they're doing okay. obviously. That's true. And like for me, I do think that the actors are still excellent and that is so good. Half of what will draw me to a show. So as long as the performances stay that electric, I will probably watch the show if it goes 45 seasons and has a different showrunner every episode. 
Absolutely. As long as Sandra and Jody are still there, I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and if I, they replace, if they replace them, I'm out. I can't. That would be so funny. I I feel like I would have to watch just out of a sheer like horror <laughs> factor. Um, so let's talk yeah. about last night's episode. Sunday's episode whenever you're listening to this episode two how did you feel about the episode in general I felt like we kind of kicked into the season a little more than the first episode yeah so last week's was weird it was the whole gymnast thing and so I like felt like this week it was more like getting into the normal groove of things but I still was like what is the plots of like what is the a plot b plot of what's happening um but I ultimately, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. I thought I thought it was interesting that they sort of continued Villanelle and Dasha, the new, new slash old sort of mentor woman in her life. Um, yeah. And it kind of made it clear that she's going to be around for, I would guess, most of this season. But then I was, yeah. I was so briefly excited and then immediately disappointed by the like tease of this new mentee for Villanelle Felix and when they brought him in I was like oh this is so funny to have her be in this position of authority and power when all she does is shrug off you know authority and try to defy her rules it's so funny to be in a put her in a position where she has to be the rule maker and I thought he was so sweet like such a sweet baby angel and then when she killed him I was like oh yeah I guess it's too good to be true yeah I mean I it made me upset but then I was like but I guess this is the show's voice yes um but I remember like because this episode introduced so many characters and I was like, why are there so many new random characters? Like the one girl who like gets the London magnet or whatever. Mm-hmm. Carolyn's daughter. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, OK, what? Why are we meeting so many people? And then the bus stop thing. And I'm like, how are we meeting another person? Like, calm down. And then I was like, OK, wait, I'm obsessed with this little boy. He's like so sweet. And the fact that like she's so angry, but then she's like kind of like, oh, he's like a sweetie who's like heart is broken. I was like, OK, this is going to be an adorable season arc. Like this is our new Kenny. Yes, but no, he's not. And then and then, then for him to die as a clown, it was just fine it's fine everything's fine we're gonna be fine <laughs> yeah they filmed this episode before they knew the state all the viewers would be in while we watch it oh my god I do feel like they somehow knew that we would all be Sandra O oh right now <laughs> yeah we're like yeah you're a mess girl same extreme yeah. same uh yeah. what how did you feel about the clown scene in general you know I do love the costumes I felt like it was like weird last week when she was just like lazily like a UPS driver I was like where's your joy Jody <laughs> or Villanelle I'm just like totally. let me see a fun dress I don't know it gave me parasite vibes because the setup of the backyard I was like oh it's like a nice person party like clowns are kind of quirky like it felt like very quirky in tone and like made it like exciting that's so um, funny a parasite killing yeah. Eve mashup yeah just so dark <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, then the kill, I was just like, oh, man. Yeah. And that, am I right that that was the only kill in the episode? That was the only kill in the episode. It's so wild. And in the first episode of this season, there were just the two. There was the 70s gymnastics kill and then Villanelle's kill, 
which I mean, I know not every episode of this show has to be like murder, murder, murder. Yeah. But it does feel like compared to at least the first season. Maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but I feel like the kill count was a little bit higher. I feel like. I remember like three or four people dying. Yeah, every <laughs> me too. But but I'm like maybe I'm in the wrong for being upset that less people are dying. I know <laughs> like, it's really warp grateful. warping all of our senses of like what's good yeah. and what we need. I was so happy to see Villanelle and Constantine reunite in at the very end of this episode too because I just love those two and I love seeing those two together and I thought it was a very interesting back and forth with them of her basically being like I can't trust you anymore and I don't want yeah. you in my space and him half respecting that and kind of being like look like I you need me you're lucky to have me I do Mm -hmm. care about you in our own like twisted way yeah I'm really obsessed with their relationship because like ultimately like seeing Villanelle truly care about this person and just be so angry because she wants to trust him but then is like I can and I'm mad at you is so like powerful and Constantine still being like I'm always just like gonna be like this so <laughs> yeah totally used to it <laughs> totally um yeah I mean I wonder if we are going to see that relationship evolve even more over the course of this season mm-hmm. I was I was actually surprised because I thought like the introduction of the Dasha's character I was like oh she's gonna kind of take on the Constantine sort of role in the season but then I'm like oh no Constantine's still thriving so now I'm like wondering how those three are gonna kind of interact Mm -hmm. and what is Constantine and Dasha's relationship to each other because Constantine says something in that final scene like you trust Dasha you think all the bullshit she's feeding you about you becoming like an overseer is real which is also me as a viewer I was instantly like "Ooh, is Villanelle being played yikes yeah, uh, poor Villanelle. I'm, I'm I'm glad she at least got a nice apartment for now. Yeah, me too. Oh, that place was so beautiful. Where where do these location scouts find these beautiful places for Villanelle to kind of sit and whine in? Yeah, exactly. Just pout and drink her champagne. Uh, I do feel like that scene. I was like, okay, now we're really back to Villanelle's essence. Um, yes, just like living her truth <laughs> yeah we it's so funny because I think with season two and her being like pseudo kidnapped and then being on the run for so long like we missed a lot of that luxurious lifestyle that she had in the first season in her Parisian flat yeah uh, that one episode where she wears that pink dress I'm like this is this is good television oh so good I don't know if you saw but H&M I'm pretty sure it was H&M released a dress recently that very much looks like a pink (laughs) dress knockoff and it's not very good and it's not as fluffy but the style is so close that it just feels like what else could this be well thank god I've gotta go online shop after this ends (laughs) look what else do we have to do Uh, yeah (laughs) was there anything else in this episode that stood out to you or you felt Um, was like interesting I don't know okay I know you've like you you you're like a big Gilmore Girls person right look I can't help it I am who I am I mean me too I that was like the first like adult show I watched as a kid so it holds a special place in my heart (laughs) 
um, but I just felt like the um, the the way Sandra or Eve's character is like being painted in such this low status place, like for these first two episodes and the beginning of the season reminds me of the season of Gilmore Girls when Rory sucked and oh. her and Lorelai were like mad at each other and you're just like as a viewer like you're like no like just let Eve and Villanelle like be back together I don't want to watch this is kind of how I feel I felt watching last night I was like oh this is this again I love that comparison just thinking of Eve being at her shitty restaurant job as like Rory in the pool house sulking yeah. doing her community service uh, throwback to that show. Oh, I mean, I I could talk truly oh, for days about that show. That see, that's a show I watched when I was in theater school, avoiding doing my work. I'd be like, well, oh, I have these DVDs. Let me binge watch <laughs> three seasons of Gilmore Girls. Uh, oh. uh, to own the DVDs of them, that's powerful. Hey, it was it was a real time. Uh, let's let's move <laughs> on to segments. Uh, yes. You know the show. You know our top, top, tops. Let's start with top line. There were okay. some really good lines in this episode. I know there I'm, was. I'm always harping on season two and now season three not being as witty and clever as Phoebe Waller-Bridge's season. But but they aren't. So <laughs> Yes, so it's a valid criticism. Yeah. Uh, but um, that being said, there were some really standout lines, I felt. There was. I feel like this episode, I feel like Carolyn got all the good lines. Um the when Eve leaves and then Carolyn's just like she didn't like the buffet I was like love that (laughs) and then um there was so many like um music like transitional music in the episode Mm -hmm. and I was like oh wow there's so much music happening and then the one where it's like Carolyn's in the car like sad and then the guy gets in and like turns the music down so the music we thought was like for the like show she was listening to in her car that was fun and she's like I like it like that (laughs) that was good (laughs) it was so funny I said in the recap I was like that it was just such a like sad why are you listening to the sad music music yeah (laughs) um I loved Carolyn in this episode in terms of her like sassiness and I also thought the fact that she outwardly was presenting very cool and collected and then to Eve was like I know my son didn't commit suicide I just can't publicly let anyone know that I'm looking into this I really loved but I think for me my top line uh of the episode was when Dasha and Villanelle were initially having the talk about like what it means to be someone's manager and she said management is not easy it's watching someone do the job worse than you that's why it sucks oh yeah and it was so funny because I was like that is such a true line that could come out of anyone's mouth you could literally be like an assistant manager at a smoothie shop and you could still have that exact same sentiment right Yeah, that's so true. Okay, let's do, I mean, top kill seems kind of pointless because there was only the one kill. So only only the one kill. Um, I did not hate the kill. I did kind of enjoy it because I love the clown. I love the like, we see him like basically so bloody and dead. Like shout out to the makeup department. Oh Um, my gosh, I can't imagine. Yeah, I guess technically it's a double kill because they he killed the mark and then Villanelle killed Felix. Yeah, 
And ultimately, I like the the little boy killing the random guy because yeah, the other one was just a shoot. Him. Yeah. Yeah. And him just being like, I improvise. <laughs> yes, and you're about to get murdered yourself, my friend. Uh, okay, what about Top Ship? I felt like this episode didn't necessarily have any moments of real intense chemistry for me. Right. I mean, I I already mentioned this, but I did love Villanelle and the new boy. Um, the scene at the bus stop was really like, I felt it. I was like, oh my God, this is a relationship being born and it's beautiful. Um, so I, I think that's what I shipped the most, but it's over now. So I got to mourn that. Yeah, I, I honestly think you're right. I loved that moment. I thought it was cool. Uh, that they wrote it in that they were both queer and both relating over that moment of Mm -hmm. unrequited love. I thought it was interesting that they brought up this woman who Kenny had worked with, who I guess he was sleeping with, hooking up with, and they just kind of threw that at us. But I was like, I don't care about that relationship because we never saw it. I don't have any connection from the point of view of the character we knew. Yeah, it almost makes me wonder, like, is there going to be something to uncover with that later on? Because if there's not, that was a waste of stage time. (laughs) Yes, I really hope. I mean, I can only assume that character is going to have something more to play. Uh, Yeah, but But, I mean, they should at least have made us be more excited about it because I'm not. (laughs) Yeah, that's totally (laughs) true. Totally true. Uh, Yeah, so I guess that's our, our top, top, tops. Yeah, I mean, okay, I also liked the Carol and Eve. Like, I feel like they're both miserable and they're miserable together. And although they're mad at each other, they are still, like, kind of vibing in that they both are upset. Yeah, that's true. They're maybe meeting each other a little bit more on the same level. Yeah. Shared grief. I just want Eve to be happy. (laughs) I know, I know. I don't know if we're ever going to get that again. Yeah, no, probably not. It'll be but, interesting to see what her arc continues to be through this season. Yeah, I'm interested, like, how many episodes in until we see Eve and Villanelle together? I'm curious. I am, because traditionally, traditionally, uh, it's been, like, halfway through the season before we get a, mm-hmm. an episode where the two of them meet. So I assume that this season will continue that format, because that's one of the only yeah. constants we've had, but who knows? I need I need the constants in my life. <laughs> yeah, girl. I really need them. Okay, I think that brings us to Eve mail. Are you down to answer a few Eve mails yes. with me? Oh, I'm ready. All right, we got a lot, so let's try to tackle some of them. A lot of them were from the UK too, which I don't know why, but I was very excited about. Okay, I'm already like starstruck. I'm... Anytime someone's British, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> I am not going to do these in a British accent, but just imagine. I celebrate. It. I celebrate that. The first one comes from Catherine, and Catherine uh, talked about liking this episode a lot more than the first episode. And she said, in general, she thinks it's because more things happened and it had a bit faster of a pace. And her mo- favorite moment was also Villanelle and Felix talking at the bus stop. She said she started to tear up a bit. And it really showed how hurt Villanelle still is that her feelings for Eve were not reciprocated and that Villanelle's obviously still thinking about Eve, which I liked a lot. Uh, 
And then she says, something I was thinking about after this episode is if Villanelle really wants a normal life. There have been instances where she's talked about it, like in the season one finale when Eve asked her what she wanted and she said, normal stuff, someone to watch movies with. And in the season two finale where Villanelle tells Eve they can run away together and have a normal life. I thought of this when Villanelle and Dasha were talking at the cafe and Dasha basically says that they can't do normal dating things because of the life they lead. We know that Villanelle is nowhere near normal, but it is. But is it true that deep down, maybe she just wishes to have a normal life? Is this because of Eve? And is this one of the reasons that she wants to be a keeper? Can't wait for the next episode. It looks like it's going to be a good one. Thanks, Catherine. Oh wow, Catherine, I'm same girl. Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Yeah, because it's almost like, yeah, we aren't really clear what Villanelle's, like, strong character wants are this season. Because I guess, like, they're returning to the idea of, like, her hating having to, like, work under somebody. But then she's also just like, is this even what I want? Like, I'm bored, which is, like, her classic thing. But it's like, would she not be bored if she wasn't killing yeah, and and we've seen her level of like at the very least sociopathy, uh, where she's not relating to people in a normal way. She's not experiencing human emotions in a normal way. Mm-hmm. But is that coming out of her having experienced trauma and had a really messed up childhood, and this has become a coping mechanism, or is that fundamentally who she is? I don't know that Villanelle even knows what a normal life is. So I ultimately think, like, what you said, it's probably she does have this ability to lead a normal life she just never has and needs to like learn how to do that and it's never been given that space or opportunity yeah I think it might be one of those cases of maybe she likes the idea of a normal life more Mm -hmm. than she would actually enjoy leading a monotonous day-to-day normal life yeah you always want what you can't have poor girl All right. Thanks for that great uh, question. The next email is from Andrew Davies. And Andrew says he's writing from the UK where they're finally having the Killing Eve broadcast at the same time as North America, because for the last two seasons, they were broadcast like months after. So that's very exciting. He says, as a result, I'm looking forward to enjoying the pod fresh along weekly episodes. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, Andrew was writing in saying, One aspect of the season three opener, which I found particularly exciting, was the introduction of the great Steve Pemberton as the new head or overseer of Carolyn's department. He's something of a master at developing characters with an uneasy and unsettling energy, and I think he'll develop into a fantastic antagonist as the series progresses. I'm not sure how well-known Steve's previous work is outside of the UK, but I'd recommend anyone interested check out the peculiar and dark character comedy, The League of Gentlemen. Also, Inside Number 9 is a consistently ingenious BBC anthology show of half-hour tales which veer between hilarious and horrifying. Thanks for managing to put the show together in spite of the current challenges. Regards, Andrew. And then he also has a quick PS where he says, PS, Girona is a small city just north of Barcelona. My sister lives in Barcelona, and I sometimes fly into Girona when visiting. Uh, because <laughs> last week I didn't know Girona was in Spain and uh, refused to look at a map. 
Thank this you. This is the sweetest mail I've ever heard. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Andrew. This is so charming. I wasn't really familiar with Steve Pemberton. So when I got this email, I looked him up to be like, well, I must know him if he's this prolific. I hadn't watched either of those shows, but I, I have seen him in some other British crime shows. Um, I'm trying to remember mm-hmm. which one. Um, but yeah, he... I. It was interesting to hear that because I didn't really clock him when when he showed up on the show. I think it was uh, Happy Valley that I've seen him in before. Okay, so we now we have two more Eve mails that are both about the wedding, Villanelle's wedding in episode one. And they're sort of two different perspectives. So I thought it would be interesting to read them back to back and then have a bit of a chat about them. The first one, Exciting. I know, I, I love it. I'm like, yes, please give me more <laughs> insight into this. The first one is from Alice. Alice spelled with a Y, by the way, which very cool. Uh, Alice says, hey there, I just need to know more about the context of Villanelle's wedding. The woman she was marrying seemed normal. So why was she marrying Villanelle? How long had they known each other? What happened after the reception? Are they still together? Who were the wedding guests? If it doesn't get referenced again, I will feel feel queer baited. I fear it won't be. And it's just a cheap, weird, unnecessary plot device. And I definitely grew up with farty owls, a.k.a. faulty towers. I'd like to think Constantine would have a good laugh at don't mention the war. Warm regards, AJ. So I thought that was interesting because that was kind of my sentiments last week about that wedding and why it happened. But then we got a bit of a different perspective from a listener named Andra. So Andra said, Hi, Christy. Love your podcast. And I'm so excited you are back. And of course that the show is back. I love this show so much. And I did enjoy the first episode of season three. I do agree it felt different and looked different. Just my quick thought on that the show needs to expand. I think this episode did a really great job of setting us up for the expansion of the story. They can't just keep playing cat and mouse back and forth. So I am excited for whatever the season will bring. So on to my thoughts about queer baiting. As a gay woman and as someone that is very mindful and critical of shows that do this, I in no way think killing think killing Eve queer baits. I understand why some people feel this way. However, Villanelle is a queer character, period. Her sexuality has been apparent very from very early on in the show. She is just queer and it wasn't ever an issue. To me, Eve is a character that is ever evolving. She is discovering new things about herself all the time, which includes her fascination and maybe desire for another woman. This is just another fascinating female character that happens to be obsessed with another woman, and I think it's amazing to have that female obsession storyline on our TV screens. They never roped us in to believe that Villanelle was queer and then completely stabbed us in the back with suddenly she isn't. The wedding to me was just that. Villanelle is queer and she got married to a woman. That's not out of character for her because, after all, she loves the ladies. I think I'm rambling a bit now, but if you really want a good example of shameless queer baiting, read about what they did on the show Rizzoli and Isles. It was awful. They purposely queer baited to get the queer audience in with zero intention of actually making anything or anyone gay in that show. This show to me is so wonderfully queer. I have a big group of gay lady friends that all love the show as well as Villanelle and Villanelle has become a lesbian icon in my circle. It doesn't hurt that Jodie Comer is gorgeous and talented either. As a gay woman, I never get the sense that queer baiting is happening with this show. Stay healthy, stay safe, and I look forward to the podcast and more Killing Eve. Thanks, Andra from Texas. 
Ah, Texas, shout out. I know. I didn't even um, think about that connection. You have the most wholesome people writing into you. Oh, these listeners, the listeners of this podcast are like the best people in the world. They sound like angels. Um, yeah, interesting to hear both the perspectives. What do you, what do you think? I mean, I it's funny because I try not to go too crazy into this topic because I am not gay and I don't want to speak on behalf of a community I'm not a part of, but I obviously want to give it the space it deserves. And so that's why I'm so grateful to get these kinds of messages from people who can actually speak to their experiences. And I thought it was really interesting that she used that Rosolian Isles example, because when you think about it that way, this show isn't trying to rope in viewers with a false promise and then not following through on that promise. And that, I think, is sort of the definition of what queer baiting would be. And I thought that was really interesting. But I do also think there might be a level of fan service that's being paid in just dropping in these quick things because they're not going to have a sex scene between Eve and Villanelle. Yeah, I kind of feel like they're... Do they aren't queer? Like, I wouldn't... I don't think they are, but I think that everything they're doing is, like knowing that there are people out there who are like interested because of the presence of that but I but they're still just trying to like focus mainly on like other things while exploring like Eve like and whatever her journey is um but I did think the wedding was odd like no follow-up like who is this girl like how did she get like Villanelle like who why was she into Villanelle like not knowing anything about her like wouldn't she be weirded out if no one on Villanelle's side was like at the wedding and <laughs> yeah. then like Villanelle leaving and then never discussing it? It's like, what's going on? Yeah, I feel like much like Kenny's weird secret girlfriend, these are little threads that if they are brought into the arc of the season could have really interesting, fun payoffs. And if they're sort of dropped are going to feel really uh, disappointing and unnecessary. OK, now we're going to do a little bit of a new segment. And a, and a half. The first one is just corrections because there were a couple things last week that I got so wrong and I just felt like <laughs> instead of continuing to get messages about it, why don't I just admit it out loud? Uh, so the first one is Girona is in Spain. It's near Barcelona. Great. I know that now. I'll never forget it. The other geographical <laughs> mistake was that it's not New Maiden as I quickly thought I saw on the screen. It's New Malden which is oh. a London suburb and and a listener wrote in and said it's like the area that little Korea is in, in London. And I was like, oh, that makes so much yeah, sense. Okay. Yeah. And from context clues, like, yeah, I, I kind of guessed something like that. But yeah, New Malden. I'm so sorry, UK listeners. We're learning so much about the geography of England. Oh, my gosh. I feel like global European geography. I'm yeah. Ugh. Between the past two seasons of the show, too. Uh, yeah. I didn't know being a lifelong learner would be so easy. <laughs> One never stops an education. <laughs> and then the next little half segment I want to do, because we are all home, and I think a lot of people are watching even more media than usual. I certainly am. Uh, is I want to do a bit of a like recommendation station each episode. So whether it's a movie or a podcast or another TV show, I want to just give like something that our listeners might be interested in consuming 
over the next week because we only have one episode of Killing Eve a week and that is not enough to get us through. No, we've got so many other hours to fill. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So for me this week, I binged through uh, all of the seasons of a show called Winona Earp, which is a sci-fi show that is made and shot in Canada. And I have an acquaintance who's been a writer on the show and I have been meaning to get around to watching it and it's taken a pandemic. But guess what? I watched it and it's great. It's a sort of modern Western meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer type show. It's female led. It's very queer positive. The main like long term relationship in the show is this like lovely lesbian relationship. And it's very funny. It's a little bit cheesy. And I think there was probably already a lot of crossover between fans of Killing Eve and fans of Winona. But if you haven't checked it out, I'd highly recommend it. Wow, I'm I'm interested. Yeah, is it on what 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 platform is it? So it's a, a sci-fi TV show in Canada. It's on the Crave streaming service. I'm, oh, okay, I'm not sure. So- Usually, if it's Crave, it's Hulu in the States. Yeah. So maybe I'll look on Hulu. Yeah, check into it. Um, But yeah, it's really enjoyable. And I know that the fan base of Winona Earp is like even more intense and rabid than Killing Eve. And after the show was canceled, they actually rallied and were able to get a fourth season into production. Okay, that's these are the stories that make me cry. I know, it's incredible. Plus it's a female showrunner and a largely female team. It's it's just it's a very cool lady power show. Amelia, do you have any recommendations for a podcast, a movie, a show people could check out? Yes. Okay, well, I'm thinking like if you like Killing Eve, I I'm watching this show with my roommates right now called Money Heist. Ooh. Um and it's on Netflix. It's a Spanish show, so you have to watch with subtitles. Um, but it's so, so good. It's basically like this group of people um, try to rob the mint of Spain. And there's like all these hostage hostages. And it's like this like 12 day money heist. And they're like you just get so into it. And it's very like high stakes drama similar to killing eve and it's uh very much like there's all these like love plot lines and then like all this crazy shit happening it's very exciting to watch all the drama unfold um so i recommend that that's great i've been meaning to watch that for a while but my uh husband and i wrote a heist feature film last year and we really like as much as i am obsessed with the heist genre we really wanted to stay away from watching other stuff so we weren't just like <laughs> full on ripping off other projects but now right. we are done and i hopefully have written we i think we've submitted the final draft to the producers so now i can watch all the heist stuff i want and well if there's any time to watch it it's now fantastic Uh, Okay, I think that basically brings us to the end of the episode. I can't believe it. It's gone by so fast. Yeah, wow. Another day in quarantine. (laughs) Another day in paradise, as I keep saying. (laughs) Um, So, Amelia, where can people find you? Where can they follow you? What's going on with your career? Tell us everything. Yes. So, um, all my I just graduated university this week and congratulations finished my internships. Thank you. Um, so now I'm just like waiting for LA to open back up and hopefully get in some sort of assistant job 
in reality TV, which is like the goal. <laughs> like I just love unscripted television so much. Incredible. It's one of my favorite um, things to watch also. It's just so fun. Um, so hopefully I'll get um, a job there. That's where I'm kind of looking right now. Um, but in the meantime, you can find me on Twitter all the time. Um, my handle is at Amelia Ritt, which is just A-M-E-L-I-A-R-I-T-T. And I I just, I tweet all day long. I'm obsessed with following a million people on Twitter. So let's all become mutuals and chat it up. Um but yeah, and if anyone's in LA and wants to be my friend, I'm new here. <laughs> Hang out with me. She's amazing. You want to be her friend. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. I'm so excited that we're still able to have guests, even as I sit so alone here in Toronto. It's so it's so nice to finally meet you, even though it's virtually. I know. Internet friends are the best friends. I think yeah. most of our listeners can relate to that. If you're not already following the show, we're at Spilling Eve on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I am on Twitter at Christy Lapointe. Yeah, reach out. Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. Please remember not to post crazy spoilers in the Facebook group. <laughs> Some people aren't able to access the show as fast as you. We always have like an official thread. You can post away spoilers in that. And if you're new to joining the group, answer the questions. The moderators will not let you in if you don't answer the questions. They're very simple. They're like, are you a bot? Are you going to break all our rules? <laughs> Just say no and yes. Uh, and that's it. Thank you uh, to everyone who wrote in. You can always send your email to spillingeve at gmail.com record your voice memos amazing Ugh. what are you gonna do for the rest of your day amelia you know i might have a, a third coffee and then see where the night takes me i love everything about that <laughs> we will be back next week with a new episode of spilling eve remember do not kill anyone this podcast has been brought to you by the sonar network 